This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. 106.7 on your FM dial as well. I am Jackson Schneider with James Westling today. In the Zone is brought to you by Hometown Outdoor Power, the area's largest power equipment dealer. Offering brands like Toro, Grasshopper, Hustler, Kawasaki, and more. To view their full inventory, you can see one of their locations in McPherson, Salina, or Minneapolis, or you can view their selection online at hometownoutdoorpower.com. That's hometownoutdoorpower.com. Coming up on the show today, we will visit with the head football coach of the Bennington Bulldogs, Brian Schamberg, and also hear audio from Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold. But to start the show off today, James, let's talk a little bit of Kansas City Chiefs news. Because yesterday afternoon, some news broke that Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay has been suspended by the NFL for four games for a violation of the league's personal conduct policy because he was arrested in January in Overland Park on a charge of criminal property damage of less than $1,000, which, by the way, is a misdemeanor. Uh, But his suspension will begin immediately, so he will miss the game on Sunday against the Colts, next week against the Buccaneers, plus the Raiders and the Bills, and he'll be eligible to return after the Week 6 game against Buffalo. Uh, But he agreed over the summer to enter a diversion program to resolve the criminal case. Uh, But uh, for the next two weeks, according to NFL rules, Gay is prohibited from entering the Chiefs practice facility or having any contact with team officials. And after two weeks, he can enter the team facility and attend team meetings. But four games for what was it, breaking a, a vacuum or something of that nature when he got into an argument with his girlfriend in January? Yeah, th- this is, on the surface, pretty ridiculous. But it sounds like maybe there's more to it than that. So the NFL does their own investigation, and it runs completely separate from law enforcement and often after the completion uh, of one by law enforcement. So... The NFL, they don't really provide any details on what goes into their investigation. It's all very tight-lipped. But uh, allegedly, Willie Gay Jr. uh, pushed his ex-girlfriend onto a couch where she said their three-month-old baby slept. Um, It sounds like it was a pretty heated exchange. With that said, um, he has, in my eyes, taken the, the necessary steps moving forward. Um, in uh, you know, apologizing, admitting that he was wrong, staying out of trouble since, entering into the program. Um, so four games for all of that just seems pretty harsh to me, especially when you take into account the NFL is just incredibly inconsistent with all of their punishments for everybody. DeAndre Hopkins gets, what, six or eight games for um, uh basically failing a, a performance-enhancing drug test, but it turns out it it was essentially nothing. Um, Deshaun Watson, everything that he went through, 
gets 11 games, isn't even suspended the whole season. And initially it was even – what I think it ended up being eight, or maybe it started at eight and was pushed to 11 because yeah. the Players Association stepped in and said, no, this isn't right. Well, but, it wasn't the Players Association. It was the NFL. Okay. The NFL – came in and was like no 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 we need this needs to be more because at the initial ruling originally both the players association and the NFL said they planned to not appeal but with the backlash that said like uh what was it Calvin Ridley got a year for yeah. gambling yeah there was so much negative PR out there that the NFL had to step in and say that there was going to be a heftier fine so or, the NFL stepped in on the NFL basically yeah, basically um, yes which you know the the. I'm glad you brought up Calvin Ridley because that's another one. Dude bets a thousand dollars. The guy has a five to ten million dollar contract, and so to put that into perspective, he bets a thousand dollars, which is like me or you betting ten bucks on uh, <laughs> a, a team that he can't impact the game in any way, shape, or form because he's not playing. He's out for the year and gets uh, suspended for an entire season. So they're just all over the map. And the other thing about the Willie Gay Jr. thing is the the Chiefs, their next four games, they travel to Indianapolis. I think they'll be fine there without them. But then they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then they play the Raiders with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. And then they play the Bills, who after last night's Monday night performance, I think is the front runner uh, just two weeks into the season. It's early to win the whole thing. So these are four really important games and, and four weeks that they could really use him because... He's a, a linebacker that's one of the best in the NFL in coverage just because of his speed and lateral quickness. So this is not a good time for this to just pop up on the Chiefs. Yeah, definitely not. A crucial, crucial stretch, might I add. Um, the, the worst, most frustrating part, I would say, from, from my perspective here, is the fact that this incident, again, happened in January. Yeah. And the NFL had over nine months to figure out how they they would react or whatever. Uh, and they waited until after two games had been played and for one of the most crucial stretches of the season for the Chiefs, as we mentioned, their schedule is very tough right out of the gate. So the timing for Chiefs fans, that's the worst part of it. Because if this happened before the season started, I don't think you can be that upset. Yeah, you're going to still be missing key games obviously but at least you don't have him to start like that that's the biggest problem is if you're going to suspend a guy for a quarter of the season roughly why wouldn't you do it before the season when you have nine months to plan for this it's just a really it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why that punishment would come down right now it's it's just it confuses the heck out of me yeah but um other than that any uh, NFL overreactions? There's some articles on ESPN talking about team overreactions through two weeks. Do you have any hot takes through two weeks of NFL games? We've only got a couple minutes before we bring on Coach Shamberg, but I figure that's a fun little topic we can discuss. Yeah, that is a fun topic. And I think that, you know, uh, recency bias, looking at the Bills and the way they played last night, this is a hot take. I think they're the team to beat in the AFC. I was just actually thinking about this morning uh, what, what I was going to say about the Bills and the Chiefs because I think that you know that matchup in two or three weeks is probably going to, one, dictate who, who gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs because I think that they're going to run away from the rest of the AFC. Um, and that could be a huge tiebreaker. And then number two, just looking at the Bills – that's the one team that in January, in the playoffs, outdoors, in Buffalo, 
probably in snow and wind and nasty weather. I'm not sure the Chiefs can beat on the road. So I think it's vital that the Chiefs get home field advantage this year in the playoffs. The Bills just look that good. Now, I again, I think the Chiefs are going to be right there with them. I think that we're maybe underestimating the importance of these, these wins for Kansas City these first two weeks of the season. And I also don't think the Titans are that good. So, uh, again, there's a lot of things that could correct itself. But, man, the Bills just look like they're on a, a – they're just a buzzsaw right now. They look unstoppable um, in all areas. Well, I was just – my one reaction, and this is probably very much an overreaction, um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars have a legitimate shot to win the AFC South. Oh, for sure. Uh Two weeks ago, if anyone would have said that to me, I would have probably laughed because it's the Jaguars. But the Houston Texans are 0-1-1. They had a close loss to the Broncos and a tie. The Colts are also, with that tie to the Texans, off of a a horribly embarrassing loss to the Jaguars over the weekend. Uh, And then the Titans don't look near as good as I thought they might be at all. So for them to be 0-2, Jacksonville has a very real possibility if they can grab a couple of wins to to be the best team in probably one of the worst divisions in football. But that's my hot take, is I think the Jags might actually win the AFC South. But that's going to end our first segment. Like I said, we've got uh, Coach Brian Schamberg waiting on the phone line here in our next segment. So we'll talk some Bennington Bulldogs when we come back uh, and also have some Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold audio for you later in the show. But that's coming up in just a little bit here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider, joined now by the head football coach of the Bennington Bulldogs, Coach Brian Schamberg. He joins us each week on our Bulldog Weekly Update, thanks to Chuck's Collision. They are a resident-owned complete body shop and will work with you to get the highest quality repair possible. They're not the biggest shop, but they strive to be the best, just like the Bennington Bulldogs. Chuck's Collision, just three miles east of Minneapolis on Highway 106. Coach Schamberg, how you doing today? It's good to talk to you as always. Yeah, I'm good. Good to hear from you. Now, I know you're you're hard at work because your team has been, you know, continuing to to work through the first three weeks. Now, you were telling me uh, just a bit ago that you had the JV contest yesterday against an 11-man team, and there's obviously some some challenges there, but uh, most importantly, you got the young guys some reps. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Yeah, it was nice. It was always good to get a game in on a Monday, so... Absolutely. Well, your team uh, continues to make progress. Unfortunately, for uh, for the win-loss column, wasn't quite there on Friday night. A 34-30 close loss to Sylvan Lucas. Uh, now that you've had a few days to kind of look back at that film and process everything, Coach, what are your thoughts on the team's Week 3 performance? Um, we got better. Definitely got better blocking on the offensive line and cleared up some, some things there and blocking to the whistle and making sure we're moving some people and we ran the ball well. And, um, but we did have, we had four turnovers and so kind of, kind of shot ourselves in the foot there. And we had some, we didn't have a lot of penalties, but the penalties we had were just at very costly moments in the game. And so, um, we, we spent a lot of time talking about how that needs to, to be fixed. And 
and it's definitely stuff that's fixable. But those just it's hard to have four turnovers, especially in a close game like that, and and come out on the winning side. So. Well, that's something though that I think is a teaching point, right? Not not just the turnovers, yeah, but the sure. the penalties and the times at which they happened, especially with a team like yours that still has a lot of young contributors. That could be, I think, a very valuable moment in teaching. You know that those can't be things that happen in in games moving forward. But aside from that, who are maybe some of the standout performers from the contest on Friday night? Um, yeah, well, our our backs ran super hard i mean besides the the not being able to hold on the ball a couple times we did we were able to get a considerable amount of offense going um so i was super happy about that and um and that couldn't have been possible if our offensive line wouldn't have blocked as well as they did and so they did a they did a great job up front and just knowing their responsibilities better and just knowing um what the play is supposed to look like and and who they're supposed to to block, and when I mean, not every defense looks the same as they did on film the the week before. So it, just being able to know what their responsibility was against any kind of defense, and no matter what, if a linebacker is coming or not, or um, what to do, and like all the different situations that could happen. So um, I was happy to see that for sure. Now, defensively, coach, your your team. To me, looks like they're taking sizable steps forward each of the last three weeks. Now, giving up 34 points sounds like a lot, but given the circumstances with the the multiple turnovers given to Sylvan Lucas, I feel like you probably have to be pretty proud of your defense holding them to the 34 points and giving your team a chance to win in the end. Right, and they they did give us a chance there in the end. We uh we had some turnovers, and we one of the turnovers we uh, had we we got a uh, interception a couple of plays later to get us the ball back and the defense did give the offense an oppor- multiple opportunities to be able to to score and win the game and it actually came down to just a last last drive to try to score I think there was like two and a half minutes left and we just couldn't get in the end zone but I mean the defense gave us the chance to to do that so I was proud of them for that and Again, we're joined by head football coach of the Bennington Bulldogs, Coach Brian Schamberg. And Coach, now you're moving on to, to week four, and it's uh, certainly one I'm sure you, you and your, your team have had circled because you get a, a crack at the El Saline Cardinals who are in the eight-man ranks now, and you go down to Brookville for a, a, a big game against a, a regional opponent, a league opponent, and, and a, a chance to get in the win column against a team that has looked good through the first three weeks. Yeah, it's definitely a game the guys have been talking about for a while now. It's been seven years since we played them in football, and so it's just been uh, they've been excited. And I mean, they all know each other. We we did a lot of we did a lot of five on five this summer together, and went to camp Kansas Wesleyan camp together. And so I mean, um, it's definitely a game that the guys have are excited to get to play and excited to to continue to improve and. So it should be a fun, a fun game. 
Absolutely. It, it should be a blast. And because of that, we know it's going to be a fun game and a, and a really competitive one. We're going to have it on our sister station, FM 104.9, on Friday night for our Meridian Media Game of the Week. So uh, for those who might not be able to make the trip out to Brookville for the contest on Friday, they can tune in there to all of the play-by-play of the contest. But Coach, uh, before I let you go, I just want your your thoughts on the week ahead. You know, it's only Tuesday. you got a couple more days of practice yet before before the ball gets kicked off on Friday. What is the biggest area of improvement you need to see from this group before Friday night? Yeah, yeah, we're going to continue to work on just ball handling stuff and just keeping, just emphasizing the importance of uh, being able to take control the ball and make sure we're not fumbling. And then also just the little things and continue to work on improving blocking and improving route run, running our routes correctly and, um, just those little things that sometimes are monotonous, but just make all the difference on a Friday night. And I think this Friday, this last Friday kind of might maybe hopefully open the eyes to some, some of the guys that like, Hey, these little drills that we do, like, this is how they, this is how they translate into the game. And if we can get better at this stuff, then we can be better. So. Absolutely. Now, last question for you, Coach. Again, El Saline, a good football team, your first matchup with them, as you you said, in seven years. What's it going to take to get a win and, and grab a big rivalry victory? Um, I think we need to control the tur- win the turnover battle and then just be disciplined and just control the things we can control and let the rest just kind of happen. So um, I, I think one of my assistant coaches said that we, we make our own luck. So, I mean, you just have to fly around and, and everybody needs to do their job every play and take care of the football and I feel like we'll be in good shape. All right, Coach Schamberg, thanks so much for the time as always. We appreciate it and look forward to having your team on air on Friday night. All right. All right, head coach Brian Schamberg of the Bennington Bulldogs. He joins us each week here on In the Zone on uh, Tuesdays as part of our Bennington Bulldog weekly update. We will take a time out here on In the Zone, and when we come back, we'll have some audio from Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman and KU head coach Lance Leipold. That waits for you on the other side here on 1150 KSAL. segment of In the Zone coming up here as we uh, start to lean a little bit towards the college side. Wanted to make sure we got some audio played. Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold both met with the media earlier this afternoon, so I wanted to get some audio involved here because... Both teams are, you know, making news for different reasons, obviously. Kansas has started receiving votes in all the national polls, and they're 3-0 and for the first time in 13 years, and there's all this positive momentum and buzz and everything surrounding the Jayhawks, and Kansas State a little bit in the opposite direction. I mean, still a very good team and a lot of season in front of them, but hey, no phones in the studio. Sorry. Apologies, everyone. But um, as I was saying, 
<laughs> K-State is is in a bit of a rut. I mean, that loss to Tulane certainly stings, and they're going to have to get better from it, and they're going to have to do it in a hurry, having to go to Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, but both coaches with important questions that needed to be asked and certainly answered, and so I want to make sure we got that for you to, to end today's show. Uh, but let's start with Kansas State, because, again, they lost 17-10 to at home against Tulane on Saturday, and uh, Chris Kleiman had some tough questions to answer. But, uh, you know, losses aren't always the end of the world. It can provide a learning experience. you got to grow. It's a bit of a, a wake-up call in some extent. I mean, when everything's coming up roses to start, you got to find some adversity to figure out where you're going to be down the line. So uh, here is Chris Kleiman after uh, Saturday's loss to Tulane from his media availability earlier today. Good afternoon, um... Kind of going back to uh, Saturday, you know, reviewing the the film, I really thought we had a good week of preparation. Um, and talking to the leaders and the and the captains yesterday, um, they thought that as well. I, obviously, there's always a few things that you wish you could do a little bit better Monday through Friday. But uh, uh, the bottom line was we didn't execute well enough. Uh, really, in all three phases, and you know, you start with the with the defense. We played really good at times on, on defense. Um, in that game, we needed to play great. Um, you're going to get into low scoring games. You're going to get into high scoring games, and you've got to find a way to to stop them at a critical time. And uh, they beat us on explosive plays. And uh, unfortunately for us, some of their explosive plays were on their t- uh, scoring drives. And so, a little bit of that was probably uh, our inability to. Uh, uh, to tackle a few times and, and lose the cup, as well as um, uh, their quarterback made some big-time plays and, and give him credit. Um, offensively, it's pretty simple. We just we didn't execute on, on third and fourth down. Uh, we had plays there, and um, whether it was a missed block, whether it was a, a misread, um, uh, just not seeing whatever it was, the field, not seeing um, – where the defenders were, uh, what the pre-snap look was, and all of a sudden it changed post-snap. We um, didn't execute, and you can't, you're not going to win any games going what we did on third and fourth down. And then probably the area that we need to excel the most in is special teams. And uh, I think we've got uh, really good punt and kick returners. We didn't give them an opportunity. And so um, part of that is them doing a good job of kicking it out of the end zone and um, us doing a better job of winning uh, at the line of scrimmage on punt return to give Philip a chance, and, and we didn't do those things. So uh, that phase we have to win, and, and I appreciate our guys um, yesterday. Uh, if you'd ask our, our key special teams guys, they would have said, Coach, we lost that phase because we typically win that phase. So an even an even matchup is a loss for us. And so those are the things that we need to shore up this week. Uh, it uh, is not panic time um, because we're only three games into it, but we know it's a, it's a time for us that we have to improve in, in all areas. And so I'm excited to see how the guys respond to adversity. We talked about the adversity that we're facing and, and uh, have faced it before, um, and uh, these guys need to attack it. So um, we've got the right leadership, we've got the right guys in the locker room to, to get it done. we just got to get better and continue to improve. What was it that Tulane did defensively that kind of kept you guys bottled up? The biggest thing they did um, physically is they tackled really well. Um, Deuce didn't have those breakaway runs that that we had uh, uh, been accustomed to. Part of that is really good tackling, and part of that is us not sustaining blocks. Um, And then we had some guys open, and we just didn't see them. 
you know, we, we've got to go through our progressions um, a little bit more um, and be patient with our progressions because some guys came open late. A couple times guys came open late and there was somebody in our face and other times guys came open late and we maybe just didn't see them. And we've got to uh, um, probably be less conservative and be more aggressive. Um, and uh, that's something we've got to keep pushing for. To my next question, uh, at Nebraska, Adrian was known as a playmaker. He made a lot of big plays. And with that came mistakes and turnovers. We all know that. Has he swung back too far, though, being too careful at this point? Yeah, I, I would say without question, Fitz. And, and uh, uh, CK and I had a long meeting and, and visited with uh, Adrian about it, and he would agree that um, he's got to cut it loose and rip it. And uh, um, if a mistake's made, a mistake's made. But uh, be aggressive in, 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 uh, in what you see and what you believe. And uh, I We've seen that in uh, in fall camp, and now we've just got to see it uh, on a Saturday. And uh, I know it's there. I know uh, that uh, he can do it. He doesn't want to make the mistake. I think we all know that. I think nobody wants to make the mistakes. Um, but there's times where um, you just got to let it rip, and if, if something happens um, uh, that's a, a negative play, we got to bounce back from it and, and get a stop on defense or, shoot, we're going to make some positive plays too. Does this alter your approach to how you're handling the quarterbacks and if he goes through the first not, half and does the same thing? Yeah, not 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 right now. Um, you know, that's a better question probably for Colin right now. But um, we, we still feel comfortable about that room. You know, we have talented players in that room. You know, uh, between Will and uh, a young player in Jake Rubley, we feel confident in that room. And so, um, you know, we'll continue to distribute those reps. How has Adrian kind of bounced back since Saturday? Um, well, I had my normal meeting with he and the QBs yesterday talking um, some of the things Oklahoma does defensively and, and them picking my brain and me picking their brain about uh, looks and stuff. Uh, collectively, as an offense, we had a really good practice yesterday. Um, if there was one downfall from last week, on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, might have been Wednesday, too many balls were on the ground in some of our past game stuff. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the QB's fault all the time. Sometimes it was a drop. Sometimes it was a, it was a miss, uh, miss run route. But uh, yesterday was really sharp offensively. Um, not many balls on the ground. And, and um, it, was, it was a good day. So um, bouncing back. I don't think would be an issue for Adrian, honestly. I, I really don't because he's a, he's a really competent, mature kid. And, uh, one question I've had uh, kind of been wondering about all season is Will Howard's in an interesting spot where, you know, Jake is the yep. backup in certain situations just because of the redshirt situation. Yep. But how does he prepare week to week? Is he still going into each game thinking he's the emergency starter? Yes, I think I think he is. Last week was an interesting, interesting week for Will because he missed some time for personal reasons, but he's back and he was back late in the week last week. And I don't want to get into that, but everything's okay. Um, and so uh, we're going to give him uh, – more reps than we did last week just simply because he missed a couple of practices last week. Um, but um, we, we've got great confidence in, in Will. I think the team does as well. And um, and, and Jake's continuing to improve. Um, and so, like I said, we'll, we'll keep – Adrian's going to be, be the one, um, unquestioned one right now. But we'll always continue to distribute those reps between those other two guys as, as they improve because we also know – I've, I know for sure because I've in, in my last couple of years here we've always gone to the number two because of an injury. 
Brent Venables played at Kansas State, yep. knows a heck of a lot about this school. Does that make it any harder going up against a coach who has that much familiarity uh, with the place? It might be harder for Brent. You know, uh, always was harder for me when I go against school that I that I that I went to. Um, I think there's some of those feelings like that, but it it doesn't matter. It's what happens on the field between the two teams and the players, and got a tremendous amount of respect for Brent. He's a phenomenal football coach, a great human being. I've I've had a chance to be around him um, a, a number of times, and. Um, uh, he's a great football coach, and, and uh, I think uh, it, it's a credit to him for waiting around for the right opportunity. You know, he had plenty of opportunities when he was at Clemson under Dabo, um, but he waited around for the right opportunity, and he's in a great situation. Coach, obviously it's a little different situation as opposed to 2020, but as far as the games go, going to Oklahoma after a disappointing loss, a lot of the same guys are still on the team. Do you think there's a, any sense of extra confidence or just feelings amongst the team? No, I no, there's not enough guys from 2020. There's a handful for sure, but there's not enough. And that was such a, a strange year. I mean, there was nobody in the stands at all. And, and um, so, no, I mean, it. Uh, some of our guys just being there, I think, will help, but going to be a different crowd this year. Again, that was Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman. Uh, the Wildcats, tough road test. Top 10 team in Oklahoma going to Norman is never easy, but K-State has won, I believe, three of their last five in Norman, which is a crazy stat. Uh, they'll also open conference play on the road for the 22nd time in the last 27 years. So a stat worth uh, tossing around there for you as well as K-State goes to OU on Saturday night. We'll have coverage right here on KSAL with a 5 o'clock pregame show start time and a 7 o'clock kickoff down in Norman. Now let's turn our attention over to the Kansas Jayhawks. Again, all, all the momentum and all the excitement in the world right now. The Jayhawks are 3-0. and They won on the road at West Virginia in overtime. And then this last weekend, they went down to Houston against a team that's uh, had a lot of excitement surrounding it in the preseason. Now, personally, I think that Houston has really fallen short and, and well short, I might add, of those expectations. Uh, but if you're Kansas and you're winning road games, which used to be a completely foreign concept, right? Like, that has not happened for the Jayhawks in a long time. If you've done that twice in three weeks to start this year, and you've already cashed the over in wins for your season, and you're quickly approaching the first sellout of Memorial Stadium in recent memory, everything from here on out is house money. But... The thing that I really enjoy about what you'll hear from Lance Leipold coming up in a moment is they're not satisfied, very clearly. He talks about you know he's, how he's proud of the team and what they've accomplished, but he's not telling that to his team constantly. He wants them to continue to crave to get better. He doesn't want them to get satisfied just because they're receiving votes. But uh, really good stuff, really good stuff from Lance Leipold today. Here he is in the KU football media availability from earlier this afternoon. So we've asked you about the vibe around the program practically every week. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'm all right. Just a little bit. There we go. Go ahead. Vibe. I was like, vibe. Yeah. Okay. I was like. You got you got votes in both polls right now. Just how do you feel seeing that? Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see that, um, you know, our, our early start's been, you know, being recognized for, you know, the guys' efforts. Um, but, you know, shortly after that happens, you, you, you have to just keep, Keep your head down and stay focused on on what you got to get done and get better at. And um, but you know, there's then there's other parts of the building that have to make sure we we utilize that recruiting and recognize the 
um, the progress that we've made and make sure, you know, that uh, recruits and things are, are utilizing that as well. Our, our guys have, uh, I, I think, have handled it and understood from um, really a year ago. We, we talked about things that as things started to change, they're going to see that though the approach and expectations are going to be are, are going to stay consistent, and and I think that's one thing to be, uh, you know, to be a consistent progressive program is that you you have to keep your 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 expectations and your work ethic and and your attention to detail all those things need to stay the same and we've talked about it as a staff on Sunday that we. We yeah, it's it's nice to be three and zero, but it's it's only as good as what we're going to do this week as well, and 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 staying locked into the to the the small things and the expectations of our players on and off the field have to remain consistent, and uh, um, that's what we plan to do. The message changed all of the team this week, or is the same? You know, it's been pretty consistent. Obviously, we were playing a good football team that's well coached, and and uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And and again, they haven't lost a game, and um, it's a team that uh, though a new coaching staff, a lot of those same players, uh, you know, got after us last year at their place. Um, so that that should be another reason we should have a good focus. Um, you know, it's great to be back home after a couple on the road, and and. Uh, I think it's important that we have a good crowd, and hopefully we have a good crowd for, for a lot of different reasons. But I think we have a chance now to create some energy and, and a home field advantage. And I, I think those are the things that hopefully as it progresses, excites them, but at the same time um, keeps them grounded on, on, on how to go about it. And I think, again, the basis of your question is how, how does this program holistically from top all the way through handle success? And. Uh, I think we're doing a good job, but we, we got to make sure we, we you know, it's, it's easy to get distracted. And But I think once they're in this building, they've done a good job. I, I know you're a one week at a time, play who's in front of you type of guy. Did you allow yourself to, to think about the way the schedule set up, to oh. think about what 3-0 and coming home for your next home game would look like or feel like? Uh, look ahead. I, I You know, I, I think when you look at, the spring and summer and you looked at some things uh um you, you want to feel that you you know again when we when we talked at the beginning in here you know we talked about well okay we're better but how much better um you know how does it compare to everybody else getting better um you know you look at it and you end the season with somebody you play second game of the year and, you, and you're hoping you can go go on the road and play well um but yeah, then then you're you know then for the second consecutive year you're playing a Group of Five school that's in the top 25 preseason and high expectations. So you don't you know I don't sit there and and, and play prediction games or what's the you know what's our win total or where we're where we're thinking we're hoping. But um, you know after the West Virginia game, do you, do you feel good about where where the team's at handling different circumstances? Uh, yeah, you know, you you want to feel that you can go down and, and, and play well and play. But again, it, much like West Virginia, when all of a sudden you're looking, you're down two scores pretty quickly, you're, you're, you know, you, you've got to try to just get back to where it needs to be. Now we're sitting in, in, in a spot that this program hasn't seen in a long time. But back to the original statement before your question is, if we spend a lot of time, guys, worrying about that, it, you know, we're never going to keep moving 
to our fullest potential. So um, I'm very proud of these guys. I'm very proud of our staff. I've, I'm all those things, but you know, I don't walk up down the hall and tell them how proud I am every minute. And that's probably a fault of mine, maybe. But um, um, I don't know. So. You brought up the two-score thing, and I wonder how do you address that? What what you obviously can't well, keep starting that way, right? Right, but it's different reasons. I mean, there's there, there's some things that we've got to start better, probably on the defensive side, that where we've given up the points. Um, you know, I, I I credit the part that we got it we get it figured out a little bit. We play a little more confidently. We got to come out and play um, a little more confidently, maybe aggressively um, early. Um, but um, again, it's important for us to get off to good offensive starts too, so we can uh, you know three and out and, and punt the ball. And there's really a you know, um, yeah, we we need to start better. There's no doubt about it, because one of these times you're not going to rebound from it. Um, you can't live that way all the time. So, I also wanted to ask you, consistency, obviously a big part of what you're about, what you've been about at past stops, all of that. Is there one area of, of being consistent here in your 18 months that, that you're most proud of or you've seen that maybe has led to where you guys are today? Hmm. That'd probably be good for probably somebody other than myself, maybe, because I... You know, we just kind of do it. Uh, I'd, I'd still say that, you know, to that point of win or lose, I, I think when we walked in, the expectations and um, uh, of what we do and how we run practice and, and even so of that is is kind of been there. Uh, in fact, we've we, we continue to challenge and find ways. But, you know, when you're not, it, you know, I've always said this is that, you know, you're not at someone else's program in season or to watch what they do. So, I, you know, I've, I've just 16 years being a head coach now. It's like you, you kind of do it in there. That doesn't mean we don't tweak it and look at it and talk about it. But, um, you know, we, we look at our schedules every day and find find ways that we'd make, make, make small adjustments. But... Um, I go back to the opening statement sometimes with our players of what they were asking for, and I think that continuity of, of those things has helped us. I think our staff alignment has helped us in this early part. Um, and I also think the time that we've been able to get with our players now for over a year has definitely helped. Obviously, three games in quarter of the way through the season. What are some of the things that have impressed you most about what you've seen from your team so far? Um, you know, again, defensively, I, I'd, I'd say our depth in, in some areas, you know, that we, we thought we had and, and to be able to um, maybe not as much in, in some areas as others, but play a lot of guys and, and, and do some things there. And, and I think that'll continue to um, pay dividends as we move through the season. But probably most importantly, offensively, the, you know, um, starting up front, just how I think our, how consistent and well. Um, we've played. Uh, I think what we've been able to do offensively and the variety of what we do has taken some of the pressure off our offensive linemen. And of course, the play of, of Jalen has been outstanding. Um, and then you take everyone else around that I haven't mentioned, 11 guys catching passes, the multiple guys that are carrying the ball. Um, you know, uh, kind of back to 
almost the schedule question is like, yeah, you don't spend a lot of time worrying about where your players are so-called ranked in conference or nationally. And I don't know if we'll ever, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll earn our way there. But um, we've got a collection of guys that can be very productive in what we're doing and it's starting to show. And I think others will, will have opportunities as we progress. And that's what I really like. Um, I showed our players uh, and really the whole team in a mon Monday morning staff meeting the, the participation sheet that you get in the recap. Okay, you, you look at our opponent's participation versus how many players were playing. And you're kind of looking at because you, you may have noticed it as well. You know, we got a lot of guys that are getting on the field. And, they're, and they're, some of them are hungry to get on the field more. But I'm, I'm glad because to build a program for, for the long haul is something that you want to be able to get guys on the field. Um, like I've always said about our practice model and things like that is you build confidence, you build depth, you help morale. And those are the things I think when I kind of show maybe a little different and, and it's starting to help us uh, and, and, it's, and it's shown itself this, this, far, um, this early in the season. All right, that's going to do it. Great stuff again uh, from the show today. We heard from Brian Schamberg, the head football coach of the Bennington Bulldogs. Here in this segment, again, you heard from the K-State head football coach Chris Kleiman, KU head football coach Lance Leipold right there. Uh, tomorrow, more of the same. Great stuff coming your way. We'll talk with Mike Kilgore, the head coach of the Solomon Gorilla football team, as well as we will uh, check in with Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. That is coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll be back at it at our same time, 5.15, right here on 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider for James Westling as well. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my